All right, Michael Jr. is going to be a lot of fun next week. Before I get started on the message this morning, we have a couple people who it's my opportunity to embarrass them for the year. Yeah. Dylan DeGraw, Caitlin Kalikowski. I actually said it right. Come on forward. We're not just going to say your name. We're actually going to bring you forward. It's more fun to embarrass you in front of everyone than in your seats. And does anyone else have a birthday today? You can come forward too. Unless you were lying, in which case you can stay in your seat. But if it's actually your birthday, come on forward. We'd like to honor you as well. Congratulations on being born. We are very proud of you. It is a great step in life. Very important one. All right. How old are you now? 16? 17? Old man! Woohoo! Okay, no. All right. We're going to sing to them a great big happy birthday, and I'm possibly the worst singer that you've ever met, and I'm on a mic. So you guys need to sing very loudly as we sing them and wish them all a happy birthday. And I'm going to try to start this, and then I should probably just mouth it and let you sing, but if you don't sing loud enough, I might actually sing, which would be to your detriment. So please join me as we sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear all of you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> all right, give them a big hand and you guys can be seated. Sorry, Dylan had a great idea while he was giving announcements that he should douse me with water to give you guys an idea <laughs> by uh, giving you a taste. So we figured that we would start giving you guys a taste of someone getting doused with water by dousing Dylan. But we wanted to do it while he wasn't holding a microphone. So, anyways, life is good. Dylan's wet, which makes it better. Uh, we've been talking about being in Christ, and we learned that it's very, very important to understand what's available to you in Christ, because being in Christ is like being at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Everything that's available to anyone who eats there is available at the same price and is available to all because it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. But a lot of times people go up and miss something incredible. Or we discovered in most Christians' case, they go up, they get a plate of rice, and they come back, and they miss out on most of what's available. Um, we learned that there's so much more that's available. So many Christians live like Christianity is simply a get-out-of-hell-free card. They think that Christianity is supposed to affect the eternal destination of their life after death, and that's it. But Christianity is so, so much more. And so we started talking about being in Christ, and that being in Christ means that God doesn't see you for what, who you are and for the accomplishments and failures that you've made, but he sees you through the lens of Jesus and through all that Jesus did and through all that Jesus accomplished and everything that Jesus has becomes available to you. And we learned that in Christ there's salvation, forgiveness, identity, that there's a fruit, that there's promises. In fact, I listed a few promises last week. If you didn't get them, they're still available on my Facebook. But I listed like 26 or 7. I looked at some research People will debate on how many promises you can find in the Bible. The numbers will range anywhere from 3,000 up to 8,000 promises in God's Word. There's a lot of promises that are available. And we went through a little bit of that last week. Definitely not all of it because you can't go through 3,000 promises in 30 minutes and do a good job. It would not work. Today, we're going to talk about authority. Because God made man 
And when I say man, I mean mankind. So man, woman, white ones, black ones, wide ones, little ones, it doesn't matter. If you're breathing, you're living, you're a human, you qualify. So he made mankind to have dominion. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. To have dominion, according to Google, is sovereignty, is control. Um, and so when I, when I read that, I was like, okay, so, so God is making us to rule. We are to extend his rule by being under rulers, if you will, on earth, sending his authority through us into creation. I'm like, that is awesome. Most of you guys are familiar with Genesis enough to know that there was Adam and Eve, God made them, gave them authority, and then they sinned and messed things up a lot. But we see God's plan of having a man or a woman, a mankind, in right relationship with God was supposed to result in God's authority and God's ruling running through them, where they had dominion over God's creation. And that's a really, really cool deal, but we don't see a whole lot of it. But in Jesus' life, we see one day he's, he's teaching and, excuse me, something's happening. Um, they get in the boat to go to the other side of the lake. It's uh, normally the way to get across the lake is a boat. So he gets in, and he's tired, so he just lays down in the back, and he goes to sleep. And he's apparently a gifted sleeper. And I don't know, like, they're, my wife like, goes to sleep, and someone goes, boo, like a mile away. She's like, what was that? What was what? I heard something. And then there are those. I had a friend named Katie. Um, when we were, she was up at the cabin. We're out, like, wakeboarding and things. And we're, like, on the boat going, over these waves, she's out like this. How can you sleep? Your head is going to have whiplash while you're sleeping without you waking up. Apparently Jesus slept like that because he's laying in the back of the boat and it says that a storm arose and these fishermen, fishermen, fish, fish are found in water. They're used to being on the water all of the time and it says that they started to freak out. If you're used to the storm, when other people are freaking out, you're like, whatever, this is nothing. But they're, they're freaking out. And it says that the boat's taking on water. They're freaking out. They think they're going to die. And they wake up Jesus. And they're like, Jesus! And this is uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. And they woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're perishing! And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was a calm. So they wake up Jesus, and they're like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> Uh, I guess I'm assuming how he wakes up. I don't know. There's some people who wake up like, yes, hello. And there are others who are just like, what? Like, so I don't think he just like punched him, but he like gets up and they're like, master. And they didn't just say, master, we're freaking out there. Master, master. So they're probably like, hello, open the eyes all the way. We're going to die. And they're freaking out. And he's like, what? Oh, no, storm. 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 Stop. Peace. Be still. And the disciples are like, that's weird, but that's even weirder. It's listening. The storm is listening. Did you know storms can listen? 
They've never listened to me. And they responded, and they see here and they say, they, they, uh, there was a great calm, and he said to them, where is your faith? And I'm not sure how he said it, if he's like, where is your faith? Or if he's like, where was your faith? I don't know. If he was like really compassionate and like, or if he just was like, idiot. Like, I don't know. I don't know how exactly what the tone was. It just says he said, where is your faith? It doesn't give us a tone. But it says, they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waters and they obey him? They recognized that that, does, that was not part of their normal. Their normal did not include people telling the weather what to do. It did not include telling waves to stop and having the wave just cease and become calm. And they, they were like, well, this, this is abnormal. But Jesus' response was not, yeah, check me out. I'm awesome. His response, where's your faith? And I got thinking about that going, why did he not sit them, tell them to sit there and have this like big lecture going, all right, guys, guess what? I'm God in flesh come for you. I'm that awesome. If you think, if you were going to do something to a fisherman, this is like the perfect time. You're like, I just controlled the weather. Revealing that I have like the coolest superpowers. I speak and it happens. Forget the force. I say it and it doesn't matter if it's a cup, if it's a tornado, it listens. But he, his response wasn't, check me out, I'm awesome, I'm God. It was, where is your faith? And I got thinking about this going, well, what did he make man to do and to have? Authority. Now, a lot of the, the Gospels are not written very chronologically. Um, they're a compilation of all the stories. It's kind of like when you sit down with a friend like, hey, do you remember the time? Yeah, do you remember the time? Yeah, do you remember? And you go through and you rattle back all the different stories and accounts of something. Uh, we just had a mission trip to Guatemala. It was a lot of fun. And we get back together, we got back together, okay, I have no sense of time right now. We got to get back together the other day at Jason's house, and we had a, a gathering, and we ate some food, and we reminisced, we remembered stories, and it just came out like popcorn. People were like, ah, oh, do you remember when this happened? <laughs> yeah, do you remember when, do you remember when? And it just, like, it was all these different stories, and they didn't exactly come out in order. It was like this one, and then back this way, and then this way, and that's typically how it happens. And so, I don't know what order everything happened in. As far as how this lines up with some of the other stories. Because as we go through the Gospels, we see in Matthew 10, he called the 12 disciples and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. We discover in Mark 11 that Jesus answered them and said, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I thought about that. I was like, so Jesus seemed, to me when I read it, almost like annoyed. Like, why didn't you just take care of it? Where's your faith? And then he goes through and reads these. It's like, we're meant to have faith in him 
we're, John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to my Father. So does that mean greater things? Greater things would be greater, right? If he told the storm what to do, if I can do greater things, if I was in the boat, I could do what he did. Or what he did was available or is available to me also. Now, I have to confess, how many of you guys think you would have just screamed like a little girl on the boat if you thought it looked like you were going to die? Bunch of the guys, I ain't raising my hand. I know you just screamed like a little girl. <laughs> but, but you go through this and you're like, well, most of us, how many of you guys have rebuked a storm recently and had it stop? Okay. One. So, but that's awesome. Do you realize that one, none of you guys are Jesus, and if I had one, what he's doing, we can still do. The disciples clearly didn't understand who Jesus was or have any idea about the authority yet. But a lot of times we think, we think like an ostrich. I know that's probably not the most glorious comparison. You're like, oh yeah, hi man. What? Um, you guys have seen the cartoons with an ostrich who's like scared. What do they do? Stick their head in the sand. And it's like the little kid. Like, I can't see you. You're gone. Oh, look, you're back. Uh, no, no. They didn't go anywhere. But I can't see you. It means you're not there. And like, you, you'll see that. And I have little kids and they'll try it. And they'll hide. And they're like, shove their face in a pillow. And they're like, I'm hiding. Your whole body is visible. The only thing covered is your eyes. But to them, the only way that you're there is if they can see you. If they can't see you, you don't count. And we look and we go, okay, that makes sense. That's baby logic or ostrich thinking. But how dumb is it if we do the same thing? If we go, well, I haven't seen God's authority at work like this, so it must not be there. If I don't see it, it must not be there, which we know better. I was playing Connect Four. We got a bunch of games on the tables back here. So Wednesday night after service, I was playing Demery in Connect Four. And I was trying to be like really strategic and lay out lots of different ways to win and have multiple ways and have two-way wins where if they block you, they set you up to win because then you're like unstoppable. So the theory goes as long as they can't win while you're in the process of setting this up. So I'm, I'm playing this and I'm watching and I'm getting close and, I, and I've been working on stuff in different locations depending on what she's doing. And I finally, I'm like, all right, I'm really close. If I line this one up here, then um, I'm like two moves away from winning as long as she doesn't win in the meantime. And so I drop one in and I'm almost finished with my setup. And all of a sudden, they start laughing and pointing out the fact that I already had three in a row lined up. No! I just walked away. And she just drops one and blocks me. I'm like, mm. I was too busy focused on my two-way win that I was about to set up that I had like 
two more pieces to go. And so I missed this three, this opportunity to already win. Now, was it not there because I didn't see it? No, it was still there. Did I benefit from it? No. Why not? Because I did not see what was available to me. But reality is not based on what I see. I can miss things that are obvious. God has great things for us. And a lot of times we try to base and we say, what I can see is what's real. And if I don't see it, I don't believe it. And we hear that in class. We hear people say that and we think they're really smart. We hear a three-year-old say it and we go, that's really stupid. Because you realize when you look at the three-year-old that there's lots of things that they don't see or understand that it really exist. But when you hear someone who's smart say it, we think, oh, that must be great if it can't be proved. No, it just means they're not smart enough to prove it. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not real. My opportunity to win was real even if I didn't see it. All the time, this is one of the most frustrating things in life. Have you ever looked for something and then had someone else go come to help you and find it right where you were looking? Yes, my wife has that magical power. Hey, can you get this for me? Yeah, no worries. It's in the fridge. What? I don't see it. Top shelf. It's not there. Walks over. Here it is. You just made it appear. She makes things appear right in front of your face. You're like, it was not there. You had it cloaked with invisibility. Like, I don't know. But just... But just because I can't find it, just because I can't see it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist and doesn't mean it's not there. In Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Why are we going? Because all of the authority has been given to him, and he's commissioning us with all of that authority. But not many people actually realize what authority they've been given. And because they don't realize what authority they've been given, they walk around deprived of things that are theirs. They walk around with the opportunity to win right in front of them, struggling, going, I wish things could be different. I wish I could have healing. I wish that something could change. And they go through and they're wishing and going, I wish, but when God goes, I have already given this to you. This is in your hand. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints and his in." Comparably great power for us who believe. He goes, I pray that you will know the power that's available to you. In Ephesians 2.6, he says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We're not supposed to be sick, depressed, miserable, defeated victims. God goes, I have the life of Jesus and the power of Jesus in Christ available to you so that you can see God's will done in your life to the glory of God the Father. He goes, this is the will that I have for you. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we get this 
picture of what God wants. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He raised the dead. He fed thousands. He walked on water, on, on, wander, on water commanded storms to, storms to stop, trees, listen to him. Like, inanimate objects listen to him. That's weird. Trees. He's like, curse you. No one ever eat from you again. And it dies. Like the moment he says it, death entered through the roots. They come by like a day later and the tree, the leaves are shriveled. Break a branch. It takes a day or two for the leaves to shrivel. The second he said it, the tree responded. That's weird. That's not in my normal. But because I don't see it in my normal, does that mean it's not there? See, many of us respond like the disciples on the boat. They came to Jesus in fear and in faith in the storm rather than in faith in God. The Bible says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Does anyone have a dog? Anyone know someone who's got a dog? Played with a dog? Ran from a dog? All right. Hopefully, you raise your hand in one of those, and if you've never encountered a dog, get a life. All right, so, no offense. <laughs> but one of the things that you may have discovered, um, and if not, you can go outside and play sometime. It'll be fun. Most dogs, if you come to the dog and you just take off and go run away as fast as you can, the dog will chase you. Most of the time, if you're running, if you stop, turn, and chase the dog, it will run from you. And it's really weird. It's like, woof, 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 woof. And I just, and that dog, and off it goes. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. As I read this, I get the picture of the devil being like a dog. If you run, he will chase you and bark ferociously. You can get, you can get like a dog that's like this big. It's a sorry excuse for a dog. You're like, you run from cats. You're a teeny Anyways, I, I, we're not going to get into that. So you have this little excuse for a dog that chases you. And it's got this like high-pitched little squeak bark thing. Sounds like a squeaky toy that's dying. And it, it, you run, it'll chase you. A bunch of people are like, I have a little dog. Okay, it's all right. But it'll chase you. But you stop and you turn, it'll, and you, you chase, it'll run. A lot of us are going, why won't the devil leave me alone? Get him, God, get him. And we're running away. And what did God say? He said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You're like, get him, you resist him. He's chasing me. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But it's barking. God gives us this authority and this opportunity that we can stop and go, all right, I'm filled with the authority and with the power of God. And when we stop and when we turn, it says that he will flee from us. And for us to realize that God has so much for us that so many of us 
are just missing out on. We're trying to get God to do what he commissioned us to do. It is so frustrating. I have a three-year-old, and I use him for a lot of illustrations because he's lots of fun. When Most of the time, he's excited and he wants to do everything on his own. I got this, Dad. <laughs> I got this. And you're like, all right, all right. You can wash your hands on your own, or you can go to the bathroom on your own, or you can get the milk out of the fridge on your own. Like, these are grand accomplishments when you're three. So, but when he's having, like, a meltdown, when he's really tired, all of a sudden, he starts whining and refusing to do anything. You're like, hey, I, I, I want my milk. Well, get it. It's in the fridge. I can't. Yes, you can. No. I can't. I need help. No, you can open the fridge. No! And they like fall to the ground. Like, Get up. I can't. Yes, you can. They like throw himself down. I'm falling. You're not falling. You're throwing yourself down. It's what we call a fit. Uh, get up. No, I need help. No, you need to get your butt off the ground and go like over to the fridge and open it and get out the milk that you want. Or you can go without milk. Oh, no! I want milk. Then get up and go get the milk. No! And you're like, what's going on? Do you need to go to bed? No! I didn't want milk. All right, you sound like you're too tired to think straight. No! Do you want to go to bed? No! Then go get your milk. And then either he gets up and goes and gets his milk or he gets to go to bed because obviously he can't think straight because he's too tired. Um, Which is hard for him to understand that logic because he's three. But anyways... All of a sudden, as I was writing this message, I got thinking about it, because I've used different illustrations before, but I realized how much like my three-year-old most of us are. And how often God goes, I've given you authority to cast out demons, to pray for the sick, to do what I've been doing and greater. But most of the time, rather than going, all right, there's a storm. Storm, I rebuke you. Rather than going, all right, you're sick, be healed in Jesus' name. We go, God, heal him. And God goes, I gave you the authority. No, you do it. You do it. God, get him. Get him, God. He's after me. And I got thinking about this, and it, picturing my three-year-old throwing a fit on the floor because he wants me to do what he's fully capable of doing. And having God go, I already gave you the ability to open the fridge and just get out the milk that I already poured and stuck in a cup for you. I already gave you the ability to stand up, resist the devil, and to watch him flee from you. I already gave you the authority to tell the storm to stop. I already gave you the authority to rise up and walk. And you asking me to do something, I already did it. I already sent my son to die on the cross 2,000 years ago to pay the price for your sins so that you could stand in right standing with me, stand up against the devil where he would have no room for accusation because your life is now hidden with Christ and nothing that he says can stick to you because your place is in me. Now stand up and resist him and you can see freedom. And I'm no, God, God, I need you to heal me. I need someone to heal me. I got, God, you take care of the devil. He's after me. Get up. Go get your milk. Stand up. Resist him, and he will flee from you. You want to see the sick healed? Pray for him. He says, lay your hands on the sick, and they'll recover. What happens if you don't lay your hands on the sick? They don't recover. Whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? No. And, and so often, it's easy. Um, 
I have lots and lots of stories and illustrations. Let me tell you part of a story. And then we're going to call up the band and we're going to give you guys a chance to pray for people. When I was in college, I was going through a class and they were teaching us this lesson, both about faith, about our authority, about our position in Christ. And he shared some stories that, that were just awesome about some of the things that God did in him. And I was like, this is awesome. And that week we went to the beach, myself and a few of my roommates, and we played Frisbee and I lost the Frisbee. I threw it to, to jo- I think it was Josh and Kyle. It might've been Brandon, but I threw it to two of them and it went right between them and landed right at the edge of the ocean. A wave came in, the wave went out, and so did the Frisbee. And we're like, crud. So you run and you try to grab it. And you're like, it's got to be over here. And we look, we can't find it. We ran up and down the beach, can't find it. But what do a bunch of Bible college students do when they can't find it? We pray. We're Bible college students, remember? So we gathered up and we're like, all right, let's pray. And so we're like, God, bring back our Frisbee. And we prayed and, and like, great, great, we prayed. And we run out there and we didn't find it. So as a bunch of Bible college students, what do you do when you pray and you can't find it? You try to figure out how you prayed wrong. And so we gathered around, we're like, well, maybe we didn't pray with much faith. You know, it was like, God, bring back our God, we thank you that you bring back our faith. And we're like, all right, we're going to pray with faith, you know, expecting the results. And we prayed, and we went back and looked, and we know we found nothing. And all of a sudden, like, we'd been looking for 10 minutes, and I, there was like a click in my brain. It was like those cartoons with the lights, like, ding. Wait a second. <coughs> God gave me authority. Ocean. Spit back my frisbee in Jesus' name. And like, it'd be sweet if the ocean like shot it all the way up to my hand. That'd have been awesome. Didn't happen. Um, but a wave did come in right then with the frisbee up onto the shore and out. And then I ran to grab it before another wave took it because I wasn't going to press my luck. But <laughs> it's a crazy thing because how often and how many times have I gone through life and other situations just like that? where I sat here and was like, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to pray. God, you fix them. God, you do this. How many times did I try to diagnose it and go, God, maybe I didn't pray with enough faith. God, I thank you that they're healed. Maybe God, God, just like, just tell them to be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. It's not about you. It's not about this grand, glorious prayer that's perfectly formulated. It's about Jesus about his finished work and you're being in Christ. You just stand up with his authority and tell it what to do. Huh? All right. Be healed. And I begin to watch. I begin to see a shift. And I don't claim to be perfect and I don't have a 100% batting average. But I asked a friend the other day about baseball. And hopefully you're not a Tigers fan because I don't think they've been doing that hot lately. But I asked about a batting average. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, what's a good batting average? He's like, well, in the major leagues, 300. What does that even mean? I bat 300. It means you batted 300 times. Like, what does that mean? He's like, no, that, that's their percentage out of 1,000. That's 30%. Like, how much do they get paid? If I get a 30% in school, they call it a fail. But what are they, what are they getting paid to do? To step up against the, the impossible. Because I, I don't know how true it is. Apparently it's not actually true. But they say theoretically it is impossible to, 
for a baseball player to hit a major league pitch. The amount of time it's supposed to take your brain to see, register, process, and swing is longer than the time it takes for the pitcher to throw and for that ball to cross the plate because those guys pitch it so stinking fast. But somehow they do it. And they get paid millions of dollars to maybe hit 30% of the balls that come across by just having a go. They get up there and they go, are they going to get it? Maybe. But I'm going to give it a go. And they watch and they see that pitch and they, have, they take their best to register if it's going to be a ball, if it's going to be in the strike zone, if it's going to be a strike zone to swing away. And sometimes they strike. And we don't look at them and go, you suck at the game! Except for Nate. Uh, <laughs> he just yells at them, I can do better. Maybe not. But, uh, but we, we see here and, and we, we watch them and we go, all right. They try again. And we, we, we see here and we celebrate somebody. And you're like, what happened? They have a you know, three or 400% batting average. You're like, they're awesome. They got 30 to 40% and you're declaring them a hero and paying them millions. What would happen if you guys were to bat, were to pray 200%? 200% be great. 200. 20%. You go, well, that would mean that 80% of the people that I prayed for walked away the same before I prayed. Yeah, what about the, the 20% that walked away completely changed forever because you prayed? And do you realize that the first time a kid picks up a bat, they suck. I'm amazed at this. You think that you had skills all the time. You're wrong. You just don't remember how uncoordinated you once were. You, when they're a baby, they punch themselves in the face and look at you like, you evil person. You're like, Dude, it's your own arm. Someday you will learn how to control that. First you have to figure out that you do control it. Then you will learn how to control it. So you realize... That if I want to see God's will come to pass, it'll probably be a learning process. Man, you can go ahead and come back up. It's probably going to be a process of me taking swings, and sometimes I'm going to nail them, and sometimes I'm going to strike, and it's okay. If I never swing, I'll never hit it. I want to give you guys a chance to pray for each other. If someone says, you know what, I'm not in Christ... I want to give you a chance first to make Jesus your Lord and to start your life in Christ. And then we're going to have a time for you guys to pray for each other. Because this isn't about the power and authority available to Pastor Daniel. This is about God's power and his authority being available to every single believer. So if you're here and saying, you know what, I, am, I have not made Jesus my Lord, but I would like to. I want to see God working in my life. I want, yes, I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I, I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm on my way to heaven, but I want more. I want to see God's will done in and through me. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One, get ready. Two, three. Raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. Awesome. Who else says that's me? most important decision that anybody ever makes. All right. <clears throat> the Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. So that's what we're going to do. Just go ahead and repeat it for me. Say, God, 
I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again for me. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Give them a real big hand. The band, we're going to go into a time of both worship and prayer. The band's going to begin to play. Just try and decide how to do this. I want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to pray for somebody.